Miami-Dade County is partnering with you to help keep our community safe from COVID-19 now and in the future. Do your part by getting your booster, staying home if you're sick, and getting tested if you think you have symptoms. We'll keep doing our part to protect our children's education and ensure testing, vaccines, and boosters are available for all so that our entire community continues to thrive. It's our best plan. For more information, visit miamidade.gov coronavirus. Another edition of the Behind the You podcast, and we are pleased to be joined by Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coordinator, Jeff Eaton. I got that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we're probably taking a, a little bit of a different uh, twist on, on this podcast. But again, uh, for Jeff and people who have listened, you know, we like to talk about people's journey and their story. Uh, typically, uh, you know, what got them to the University of Miami. Uh, in this particular case, there's a part of Jeff's story and journey that's more personal, uh, probably more significant and more impactful than May being May uh, Mental uh, Health Awareness Month. Uh, Jeff has a story to share that we think is extremely impactful. And Jeff, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you be willing to be willing to talk about this and share your story and 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 really enlighten people, open people's eyes, and get people um, emotional, you know, and get people push to move. And so we, I appreciate you doing this. Josh, thank you so much. I, I can't, I can't thank you enough for, you know, obviously taking the time and having me on. This is a, this is, this is what I call bigger than itself, right? This is something that, you know, I always look forward to and, you know, having the opportunity to get in front of you and, and share my purpose, share my story is, is very uh, meaningful to me. So I don't take this lightly. So thank you so much for having me for sure. A- absolutely. So let me just start here. Um, you are from, from the research, um, you are someone who has suffered. Well, this is what this is actually what's there has suffered or still suffers from anxiety and depression still suffers. Um, I still struggle sometimes with my anxiety and my depression. Um, I do not have suicidal thoughts anymore. Um, I'm a person that has overcome those. I've been able to harbor those and be able to go to therapy and continue to go to therapy and work through you know, what I call my demons, um, you know, that affect me daily. So we will, we will get into that, Jeff, because like I told you before, I want people to really, really, really have an understand, a really good understanding, right, of, of what that means, demons, or what you suffer from, because I want people to really know what it's like to be in your shoes for someone who probably isn't in your shoes, right, to have that kind of empathy and sympathy and, and hopefully be, um, able to act if they ever come across someone or has someone in their family or know someone that that is that is doing that but you are obviously an advocate for mental health uh for people who are suffering from that when and how did you become comfortable kind of putting yourself in that position honestly i would say i would say in 2020 uh you know once the pandemic hit I had a real realization of understanding that there is a real thing going on. And I had to make the realization within myself to be able to embrace the fact that I had an issue going on with myself, you know, with the anxiety and depression, but also have the confidence and the courage to be able to say, it is now time for me to 
share my story for a lot of other people that I know are struggling right now. And when I say that, I reached out to people that I know in, in my profession, strength coaches, GAs, interns, um, you know, former, co former colleagues. And I asked them, I said, how are you doing mentally? And 98% of them said, I am dealing with some type of anxiety, some type of depression. And there was a couple that actually experienced some suicidal thoughts because they had lost they've been stripped away from their identity of being a strength and conditioning coach when we go from having a season to not having a season you know and they were living behind that that identity and they didn't know how to deal with that they didn't know how to embrace that they didn't even know the what that looked like because we're sitting at home looking at a screen we go from being in person to to being behind a screen you know, and I had I had realized that there's a real issue going on. And again, it wasn't about me. I knew that at that time I could add value to them and open up more and have the courage and the confidence to be able to say, this is no longer a burden. Like my story, my journey is no longer a burden. I didn't look at it at like I didn't look at it like that. I flipped my mindset and my perspective to be able to say, this is a, this is a, this can impact somebody right now, not just five, 10 years down the road. I can literally tell my story to somebody right now, and this will impact them right then and there on the spot because of, you know, like the, you know, like I said before, before we got on here, you know, a lot of my history is very dark, you know, you know, being a, a person who, you know, at a young age experienced trauma, my mom passed when I was five years old. And the first memory I've, I have and the last memory of my mom that I have is her dying because I was in her arms when she passed. You know, that was that was a traumatic event. So bringing it back full circle, I just that one example, which we'll get into later. But that one example, I knew that there were certain people out there that could, you know, be affected and impacted uh, to answer your, your question more thoroughly. And did you. Did those conversations, when you reached out to those people and the response you got, did that help you be more comfortable, being comfortable, being an advocate, being public? 100%, 100%. I think just being able to sit back and listen to what these people were going through. And I, I took a second and I said, okay, when I, when I, can I can, I'm sorry, can I interrupt for one second? What, what, uh, what initiated you to reach out to those people? Other, was it just a, a friendly check-in or were you gen, was there some genuine concern sort of understanding the greater framework of what was happening in all of our lives? And then that led to the response you got, which then maybe triggered your comfort level. No, I, to be honest, Josh, I think it was, it was my friend's my best friends who I, who I went to college with, I, I had reached out to them and I had asked them, you know, how they feel about me sharing my story. And literally every single one of them said, yeah, we've been waiting to hear your story. We've been waiting for you to have the courage and the confidence to be able to go ahead and say, and, and share your story. And they were like, dude, it's about time. Like, where's this been a couple of years ago? And I said, well, I didn't have the courage and the confidence to even think that I could be able to a speak, you know, about my story, you know, and to be able to articulate it and tell it in a way to where it could be impactful. 
I just thought I was one of those people that dealt with a lot of anxiety, dealt with a lot of the severe depression and dealt with su suicidal thoughts and was a suicide survivor. But that was like, like, I just wanted to keep that to the side. I never wanted to bring it to the forefront until my friends and my other coworkers that I had told, they were like, dude, you gotta, like, you need to get this off. You need to like, come on, let's go here. So and what did it feel once you did, once you sort of it, it, came it, free it, with it? What was it like, man? I'll tell you what it was like. I got a, I got a tattoo on my arm. I got shackles on my arm breaking through. It was literally like that. It was breaking through shackles and getting the elephant off my back. It wasn't a monkey on my back. It was an elephant. Like I felt like I literally had the weight of the world on my back lifted off of me and I could actually take a step back out of the frame and and see the bigger picture to everything and i'm like man like this is the greatest feeling ever you know not just for myself like you know ego wise but like wow thank thank you god for like giving me the opportunity to be able to have the courage to do it you know and even before i told my even before i put a i put an instagram post out i'll never forget it i was so nervous Oh my God. Like I was literally shaking and like, I couldn't even talk. And my wife's like, are you okay? Cause I was sitting at the kitchen table and I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. She's like, she's like, pick your head up. She's like, pick your head up. I'm like, what's up? She's like, you told me that you wanted to be able to impact people. You need to do this. We have your back. I have your back. I love you. You need to do this. Don't run from this attack it however it goes it goes you're not going to know until you do it and literally within that moment i just took a couple breaths and i'm like okay you know i hit the share button you know on instagram and then you know literally within five minutes not even i had dms i had like 30 dms i had messages from on my phone literally from my best friends in high school they were like, oh my God, like I didn't know that you were dealing with this. So I'm like, okay, there's, I created a domino effect. I created a ripple effect of people that I started to impact within my own circle. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And then before you know it, I had random people from all over the world, all over the country reaching out to me and saying, wow, I saw your story. You impacted me to be able to go get therapy or I showed your video to my friend who's struggling and now he's going to get help. I mean, I, I literally broke into tears when I, when I would read some of these messages. I mean, it was so like moving and touching that I just, I was overwhelmed. It was, it was overwhelming. I'm glad are you, your wife was there to tell you to do it. I mean, that's God truly, I, you know, that's, that's, that's God, that's God working through her and her having the confidence you know, and having the trust in, in, in us and in, and in herself to be able to go ahead and say, Hey, you know, my husband's dealing with something, but I got to be there. I got to be the rock. I got to be the support system for him, you know, and to be able to tell him, I mean, it was amazing. Like I, I owe my wife so much because she deals, she deals with the, the back office, the like behind the curtains. She sees me when I'm in my darkest places she sees me when I'm anxious about something. She sees me when, you know, I get to a low point and I, and I have to 
be able to communicate it with her and pull myself out of those situations to be able to think clearly and concisely, you know, and, and be able to like continue to be, you know, normal, so to speak. Well, I would think, I would think that your trepidation of just sharing your, you know, whatever that message, that initial message was, right. is part of the issue probably for most people who suffer from any kind of mental illness, because there's a fear to, to, right. And, and, and somehow we are all trying to work to eliminate that, to make people comfortable, to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's that you're, 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 you were nervous to just share your story. People are looking for help. Right. And, and, and initially fear, you know, fear is just a, it's a figment of your imagination, but when you're in that state of mind and you don't know what you don't know, you don't know how to get it out. That's where people tend to go left, right? Like they just, they don't know how to act. They don't know what to do. You know, they don't know the steps to be able to help themselves get out of these situations and to be able to ask for help, right? Like the biggest thing that I learned by conquering the fear first and foremost is that the fear will probably always be there, right? You never know what it's, you never know what's going to be on the other side until you actually conquer it. But I told myself this all the time. Like if I can literally come back from death, then I can overcome anything. Right. And if I have the people in the support system around me, that is literally telling me every single day, Hey, we support you. We love you. We encourage you. And I don't listen to that. Then I know on the opposite side of that, that's the dark side, right? I can't go back to that. It's almost like you're, you're, you're literally becoming a new person. You're re it's like a new rebirth, so to speak, but you have to embrace the fear first and foremost, and you have to have a strong support system or someone. If you, if you don't have a circle, that's okay. All it takes is one person. You're always one conversation away from a breakthrough like or a life-changing moment it depends on how your what your perspective is and how you are able to look at that and for me it was just like success leaves clues if 10 people are telling me the same exact thing I gotta listen to that right and that was yeah. that in my instance that's what moved me forward to be able to you know overcome that just uh, we're, we're this will ultimately be in in uh, in audio form, but you know, we're, we're looking at each other through zoom. You are a, from what I can tell and done my research, you're a large human being. <laughs> yes. Coach Feld likes to say, man, I got the biggest back on the staff and I'm like, I don't know. Well, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just take that line, but. So what are you six? Give me, give me the, give me your, give me the stature. Six, one and a half. I'm 275 on a good day right now. Okay. But you mentioned that was, it wasn't a, a monkey. I think you said it was an elephant, right? Huge and, and did any did 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 any of the fact that you were a big hulking strength and conditioning football player do you think that played into maybe some of your unknown fear whatever because someone would most typically no one's going to look at you and this is why i know you've talked about no judging no labeling because it, it doesn't it doesn't um stereotype right it doesn't discriminate against who it who would um who is impacted by, but at the same time, in theory, quote unquote, that's not supposed to be someone like you, right? A, a big, right. strong guy is not supposed to be weak. Right. Did, did that impact you? 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, I got big and strong because, honestly, because of my childhood. You know, I, at a young age, I was bullied. You know, I was, I was, at a young age, I was physically and sexually abused as a kid. You know, and at one point in time when I started to, you know, obviously mature and grow up, I was introduced, I would say, my freshman year of high school to strength and conditioning, strength training. You know, my high school strength coach, Dave Wetzel, who, you know, is my hero. That's my hero. That's the guy that I literally looked up to because I could trust him. It was the first time in my life that I could ever trust a male male person, like a, a male. Let's just put it that way. Um, because, you know, I was abused by a, a family member. And a male? Yeah, a male. By, uh, by, by a male family member and a friend of the family. So my, my view on men was like, I don't trust you. You know, I don't trust you at all. So when I was introduced to strength and conditioning and strength training, that was number one, just my outlet, you know, first and foremost, to be able to get all my aggression out. It was the first time in my life where it was okay to take out aggression and it was legal. And I could literally put everything, every ounce into it. And I would get the return on investment back. I would see the results. I would see my body changing. Like my, my body went from being a, you know, a short stubby fat kid to eventually, you know, ninth and 10th grade year. Like I had a huge growth spurt to I'm lean. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling out, but I'm feeling confident about myself. It wasn't just because, you know, I changed my circles. Like I was literally sharpening iron, you know, the iron was sharpening me. And through that whole experience that it was, is literally planted the seed in me um, to where I'm big now and I'm big for a reason. At one point it was because I wanted nobody to ever mess with me ever again. I literally wanted to be the biggest guy in the room because I got tired of people picking on me. I got tired of being abused. I got tired of, you know, just having the label of the short fat kid because I was a big kid. You know, everybody in my family is, is, is big individuals. It's just how our nature. That's how we're make, made up. You know, so I you say built, big, do you say big, like a large or big as an overweight and fat, over, overweight, fat, big, tall. I mean, you name it. Like my, my, uh, my brother, my oldest brother, Tony, who, who, you know, he passed away five years ago. He had complications to diabetes and, and other things. He was a big, large guy. My mom was, was a large woman, right? My mom passed away from complications to diabetes and died of a pulmonary embolism which is like blood clots in your chest due to the fact that she was overweight. Right. So when I say the, you know, the lineage and the legacy that, you know, has kind of been left for me was always, Hey, we come from a big family. I used that and flipped it and said, Hey, okay, I'm going to get as big and as strong as, as I ever can. So nobody ever, ever messes with me or anybody in my family. That's why you know, I, I kind of built that armor early on. Did anyone ever try to mess with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I always got, I always got checked, but then I became the person that people would literally pay to, to beat up. I became the bully. Did you now, did, did some of that come out literally in that rage, that, that fury come out literally physically in fighting and taking, Absolutely. taking care of other people? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it got to a point where my brother's friends would, 
you know, my brother's friends would beat me up. And, and then, you know, I, I just got so big and they're like, all right, dude, like I'm going to try you. And then I just started beating them up, you know, and they wanted no parts of me, you know, and that was, that was a period of time where, where, you know, I was just, I look back on and I'm, you know, no male influence, right. No dad to smack you upside the head and say, Hey man, get your, get your together. You know, like, come on, we got it. You got it. Right is right. And wrong is wrong. I didn't really have that. And that's no disrespect or discredit to my dad. I think now full circle, looking back, I'm a father, I'm, you know, I'm older. I can say my dad did his, his best job as he could have with what he had at the time. I wish it was more. I wish I would have had the, you know, the dad that I am now to my son and my daughter. Um, you know, and I think, do I think back and say, okay, things might've been different. Yeah, I do. I, I think they, I think they would have, um, you know, in my situation in that time. So. What, um, so you're, 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 you're a big, right. You worked out. I, I, I'm, I'm, no one's going to challenge me. No one's going to take me down. I'm going to take down others. Um, were you even aware that any of this, um, emotional disruption was brewing inside of you? Yeah. I mean, I had, I was, I was rageful. I, I was rageful at the fact that I was getting abused and how old were you? you? So when I got, when I first got abused, I was 10, 10 years old. Yeah. Nine or nine or 10 years old. Um, you know, and then again, when I was 11, so, I mean, it was just consistent. And then, you know, the more of the physical abuse was more, was more so in that period, like where I'm 12, 13, where I'm growing up, you know, as a as kind of as a teenager, you know, and, and, um, you know, just going through that. So I had, I had built up so many walls, you know, to where I was just like, all right, like, Hey, I don't want to talk to anybody about this. I didn't know how to talk to anybody about this. So my way of expressing myself was like, anger frustration rage like flying off the handle i was the kid punching holes in his wall you know uh people ask me all the time why i love metallica because i could relate to metallica metallica is my favorite rock band of all time i would literally just sit in my room and, and rage out because i could i made a connection with that type of music because like at the time the anger was feeling so many different things you know, anger was fueling the fact that I wanted to be the best football player ever. I wanted to show my brother up who was getting all the looks. And I was just the brother of, right? You know, I had that. It was anger to me. It was like, well, why not me? Why aren't y'all paying attention to me? You know? Yeah, it's um, the suffering that you encountered, the emotional suffering that you countered. Um, what does that feel like? <laughs> I don't, I don't wish it upon anybody. I, I don't, it's the darkest place that you can go into and be into. Um, because you don't know you, these are the, these are the people that you're supposed to trust. These are the people that are literally breaking your heart and are literally like breaking your trust and doing these horrible things to you. And then you have to turn around and put a smile on your face, right? Like everything's all good and sunshine and rainbows when we know it's, it's not at all. It's the most like despairing thing you can ever go through to be able to look at a family member and say like, 
why the hell are you doing this to me? Right? Like deep down inside, I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Like, and then when it, it gets to the time where like the, you know, the friend of the family is, is doing, doing what they're doing. I'm like, why isn't anybody saying any, why isn't anybody stopping it? Right? Like I'm showing the signs and symptoms of being a kid that's getting physically and sexually abused and nobody's helping. Like I, at the time I was like, do you guys want me to go through this? Do you want it? Do you want me to like experience this? It, it was the most like, I mean, how can I say, man, I felt so alone. Like truthfully, I felt like I was on an Island and I've had to figure out how can I get off this Island and like swim to my despair, like cast away. Like you just cast me away and you're just going to keep hurting and hurting me and hurting me until the point where like nobody cared anymore. So when you leave to go play, um, you go to junior college and you go off to, to lock Haven to play football. So when you sort of leave your habitat which obviously is is somewhat dark mm-hmm. do you find also do you so as a teenager probably an 18 year old kid do you do you in your head do you think you're leaving that behind and starting new like because obviously we're, we're, we're sort of building towards an event in your life that's you know the worst event that could possibly be which which ultimately be you tried to take your life but at at this point in time when you are leaving home do you think you're leaving that behind or do you, do you, do you have an awareness that it's also coming with you? I think it's a little bit of both, Josh, to be honest. I, I, I don't think like for me, I thought that, you know, first and foremost, I thought I could outrun it. That was the, that was the first acknowledgement of my awareness now, but looking back, I was trying to run away from that situation. I didn't want to be in that situation anymore. Anytime that I looked at home, it was like, I don't want to go home ever. Like, I'm good where I'm at. What's the point of going home? And my family that, you know, when they see this, they'll probably, they'll probably be like, yeah, he was like that. Yeah, I never wanted to go home. So my family was like, well, why don't you want to see us? Well, I don't want to be around in that environment. I don't want to be around that. Because every time I go home, I'm reminded of that. Right. It's almost like the, the, uh, the tape that gets on, on repeat. It's, you know, the, the record that's on repeat, you know, just, just spinning. Skipping. Yeah. Just keep skipping and skipping and skipping and skipping. And finally, you know, I got to the point where I just threw the record out, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to make a new life wherever I'm at. I've always considered myself to be the black sheep of my family. Um, you know, different thinking, different way of doing things and, and not, you know, I guess adhering to the, to the, values and principles and you know the some of the values and principles that you know my family instills obviously respect and integrity and trust and all the things that I know my mom stood for my dad stood for um you know I wouldn't be here without them you know I'm standing on truly standing on the shoulders of giants because I know at one point when I heard when I heard a story about what my mother had to go through with my dad and they were having some issues and you know, my dad wasn't around and working all the time, but I understand, I understand that they were trying to, to make a good life for not just myself, my two other brothers. So, but yeah, man, I, I felt like I was trying to run, run from it, but also like starting new and going to junior college for me was like, like, yes, let's go. Like, I felt like I made it. Like, I felt like I hit the lottery. Um, 
I didn't really want to go to college. I always, uh, I kind of struggled with school. I still kind of struggle academically. It takes me a while to pick up things and learn things. I've always kind of been more of a, a visual learner. I need to be able to see it, hear it, think it, but also like I need to have it right in front of my face. Um, so I really wanted to go, I really wanted to go in the military. You know, I wanted to be a, a Marine because, you know, my, my aunt Pat who lives in uh, California, her, her husband at the time was a ex Navy SEAL. And he also was a former Marine. And I looked at that as like, Hey, it's badass. Like right. he's, going, he's going in every place of the world. People know, don't know he's there undetected you know and the stories that he would tell were incredible and I just said why would I not want to be a part of a fraternity like that but that chapter didn't happen it didn't work out the way I wanted it to and I just said okay I'm pretty decent at football at least I thought I was and I know I could get an education I can get a, a you know associate's degree and then be able to transfer in I don't think I was ready for uni the university you know, right out of high school. So I think it was a really awesome choice to be able to go to junior college, get my feet wet, you know, and then, and then excel further, you know, in my career, education career. Not to be i uh, I'm not a therapist in any way, shape or form, uh, but you just said something about the Navy SEALs, which would be joining a fraternity. And, and a lot of times you look at sports and teams, there's a brotherhood there. We, everyone, you know, people who are around special teams, right? The brotherhood, the relationships, uh, a fraternity, Sometimes it's having the father figures from your coach, right? Whatever it might be. So did sports help you? 100%. Sports taught me that teamwork is everything. And to be able to trust the man beside you is, is literally everything. And also it taught me hard work and values and work ethic and showing up on time and being consistent, you know, and, and not just being consistent, but being relentlessly consistent every single day and understanding that you're not always going to be at your best, but that's okay. If you give a hundred percent of your 80%, like you're going to eventually have success. And sports was everything to me because early on I saw the, I saw the blueprint, my brother, my brother, Tony, my brother, Andy, anybody in our family, we come from an athletic background. My grandfather was a, was an ex picture pitcher for the Phillies. So I had that, I had that kind of DNA, that athlete DNA already in me. I just had to figure out along the way how to really mold and like kind of cultivate that to, you know, I guess enhancing my performance and, you know, kind of leveling up. But I already, my, I just had to turn on the tape and watch it live and, and live and in color and watch my brother Tony play football. I mean, he was, to me, my brother Tony is the best football player I'd ever seen. You know, and he was at the time in high school. I mean, he's getting scholarships, offers from everywhere. You know, it was unheard of in, in my neck of the woods and, and where we grew up because we went to a really, really small school. So to see that was like, yeah, I okay, I want to, A, be better than my brother. I don't want to live in his, like, footsteps, but I also, like, I want that because I saw him had, have success. You also think your your relationships, too, were filling – maybe a void you didn't have, right? Because you talked about no male presence. You know, obviously, you, you don't want to go back to the record that's spinning on a loop. You're sort of seeking your, your strength and conditioning coach was someone, your first person you trusted. And now 
through football, you could form real meaningful relationships that maybe you didn't have previously? 100%. I think, you know, I look back on my head coach, Greg Saylor, who played in the NFL, you know, grew up in the, in, a, in the town that we grew up in. And, you know, I think of guys like Ray Serafin, who was my D-line coach. I think of guys like John Artie, who was my offensive line coach, because I played both ways. I look at those guys as those were my fathers, right? Like those were literally my guys that literally, I mean, when I got in trouble in high school, Coach Serafin, who was a, a, a police officer on, on the police force, literally <laughs> picked me up in his police car off the side of the road because I had left practice because I had gotten mad and left and tried to run away. And he literally like pulled up on the side of the road and picked me up in my, in his car and, and, you know, smacked me upside to the head and said, what are you doing? Like, why are you running from everything? That's your problem. You're running away from everything. That was my first time that I ever had a, a male influence in that, I guess, lane or stature actually check me. But also say, hey, man, like, bro, I love you. Like, I love who you are and I love your family. And you can't you can't keep running from things. Like, you can't run away from this. We have to address this. You got to get right or you're not going to play football. You're going to get kicked off the team. We can't have that. Every time it gets hard, you can't run away from it. Right. I, that was the first time in my life that I ever had a, a, another man, an older man, tell me that. But then he wraps his arms around me and, tell, and gives me a hug and tells me he loves me and he wants me to be successful. Never really had that, you know? So, yeah, do the relationships matter? Absolutely. The relationships that I built with those guys based off of trust, discipline, accountability, all those different principles are the reason why I'm sitting here talking to you today. So these conversations kind of go all over, you know, they just kind of weave and, and go where they go. And, and the one thing that's popped into my head, uh, listening to you talk, coaches, is in the role you are now, I would imagine, in the different institutions you've been, you probably see kids, maybe not going through the exact thing you've been through, right? Because, but like, I'm sure you can see a kid and you know something's going on. You may not know exactly what it is. It may not be exactly what you've been through. But that the, the police officer that just pulled you aside, you must see, especially knowing collegiate football and where kids are from and just what the stats are and, and plenty of kids without a male influence or who knows what else they've been through. I've heard some stories. They're god-awful. Mm -hmm. It must be stark to you when you, you must see it plain as day. It's, it's, it's the first thing I look for. It's literally the first thing I look for. I look for the signs and symptoms of a kid that's looking down, can't pick his head up. He's, he's like, I call it unresponsive. You know, it's one word answers. It's yeah, I'm good, man. You're not good. Right. I know you're not good. I know I got to peel back the layers of the onion. I know I got to get deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, I, I see those every day. I, I tell people all the time, uh, what if it was one of your loved ones? You know, like, right. Like, what if it was, what if it was somebody that you knew? I always tell people the way that you can open up is to a put yourself in that person's shoes and sit back and listen and don't say anything. Right. And just listen to what they're telling. They're going to give you the answer, but also go deeper than that, you know, to have an impact, 
right? To be able to listen, but also say, okay, what if this was my brother? What if this was my best friend? What if this was my son? If this was my son, how would I want to react? How would I want to address this? Right? I think if we take that wall, if we put the wall down and, and check our ego at the door, I think more hearts, more minds, more spirits would be opened up and we'll be able to help more people instead of just saying, oh man, he's just acting out of character. Now, again, sometimes that may be some guys are just because right. they're having a bad day. All good. On surface level, it could just be that. But if a guy is consistently telling you and he's acting out of character and he's showing the signs and symptoms that something is truly wrong, then I, I truly believe it's our duty as men and as women, as people in our society today to be able to go ahead and just say, hey, man, like, are, are, like how are you doing today? Instead of just walking and passing and saying, hey, man, you good? with? Hey, what's up? You know, like when you're walking in, in, in the hall or you're walking by somebody, he's like, hey, how you doing? And they say, good. And you just keep walking. Maybe you should stop. Stop dead in your tracks and actually have a conversation with them. And just say, hey, you know, I, I noticed that, like, you don't look too good, man. Like, especially, you know, the person. Hey, like, are you sure you're all right? Like, how's everything going? How's your mom doing? How's your wife doing? How's your husband doing? Like, whoever it is, have, sit down and ha ask questions, have a conversation. You'll be hard pressed to understand that a lot of people are really, really stressed out right now. You know, and a lot of people are dealing with a lot of demons and they don't feel comfortable sharing them until they feel that they're in a place in space where they can be transparent and vulnerable. And we have to be the ones to be able to say, hey, I got the key to open up that door for you to be able to be vulnerable and transparent. You know, and there, I think there's different levels of that, too, as well. If you can't handle what they're telling you, OK, look, I might not be able to help you right then right. and there. But guess what? Let's get you help. Let's get you around somebody that can handle this. I think it's both ways. I think it's a two-way street. I think you have to be aware of your own your own self or what you can handle as a, as a person to be able to hear some of these dark things because not a lot of people can handle that, you know, but put it in the hands of the people that can. And I think probably, well, I'll ask you, right? So, we have definitely made strides in raising awareness. And I'm sure we also haven't done enough, but there's still a whole lot more to be done. Um, so for someone like me, that's not been through it, or I'm sure a lot of people who are listening who have not been through anything like that, what can someone, what do we need to know? Right? Like, what do we, what can we do to help? What do, how, how do we join in being part of the solution? I think we need to do our, you know, due diligence and do our research first and foremost to, to understand where some of these people are coming from. Maybe it's going on a website, you know, just type in, just Google mental health and you'll get a, a broad list of all the organizations, all the government organizations, all the nonprofit organizations. You're going to get some, some really, really great information on mental health in itself and what it truly means first and foremost you know and then from there you you take it in different levels okay hey i know somebody that's dealing with substance abuse hey i, I know somebody that's dealing with you know um i don't know maybe they have a history of child abuse or something that they maybe they got alcohol abuse i don't know what it is 
but you can literally go online. The internet is, we call it, we say it all the time. The internet's undefeated, right? It truly is. I mean, it's, you can, you can navigate in the space and place to be able to just say, okay, what is mental health? Okay. What is uh, anxiety? What is depression? And then be able to get the information, but you can also ask the questions to the people around you, right? Like start a dialogue. That's, that's how I, that's how I do it. I start dialogue in every situation that I'm in. I'm always, I guess it's kind of my burden and, and you know, what I've been not burdened, but I guess it's part of my purpose, right? Like in every situation that I'm talking to and every conversation, I'm always thinking about somebody else's mental health. How can this correlate back to somebody's mental health? The stress. Okay. Hey, I had a long day. All right. That ultimately gives me a signal that they're stressed. How do I feel when I'm stressed? Right. To be able to make a connection with them, to be able to say, Hey, you know, maybe it's not as deep as depression, anxiety. Maybe you just, Hey, there's an app, the calm app. Hey, go on Apple music. Like, Hey, um, you know, go on Spotify. There's like meditation stuff. You can, you can takes 15 seconds. You know, something that I do is like, I used to go on Spotify and, and listen to rain music to help me like calm down when I'm sleeping, you know, or ask questions, um, you know, for a person like yourself who doesn't come from that space, so to speak. And, and in the world of athletics, it's, we've seen uh, mental health become more prominent, right? It's been more uh, more people and put in position of being able to assist just the fact that it's, you know, it, more athletes talking about it, people like you, whatever, whatever the case might be is it's, it's become more top level, uh, certainly probably not where it needs to be. But I guess uh, the reason why I preface that is right. That the people around you that you work with other coaches, that people that you work with at Miami, at other schools, other people at other places, right? The more they are aware, they may not know it, right? But if they know your story or they're aware of what to look for, just aware that it's even out there, right? That we have to educate the people who aren't suffering to be on, to be on the lookout for people who are, I guess it's probably the, the, what I was getting after. That's the key, educating the people that don't come from that space and place to be able to understand that there are certain signs and symptoms that they need to look out for. But also, again, it's it's being a good person, right? It's being a good person at the end of the day. And what I mean by that is, is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. We need to, as a society in athletics, need to stop putting a Band-Aid on certain things. And especially when it comes to mental health. And that's not me calling out everybody at every other institution, but it kind of is. It's kind of saying like, now, how, how much longer do we have to wait to see an Instagram highlight or an Instagram post or a Twitter post about another athlete, about another coach that has literally gone to rock bottom and, and committed suicide? How many more do we have to see until we actually look ourselves in the face and make a change and really just get it in out in the open and talk about it first and be able to educate ourselves and get around people that are smarter than us and in those spaces and learn from them you're right we got to ask the questions first and then from there we got to put actionable intel into place we have to put processes into place we have to have a crisis process to where if a, if you know if if josh if josh is dealing with 
you know, outside stress, okay, we have a person or a, you know, advocate that can just sit down and have a conversation with him, you know, and be able to bring him back to center. Or for instance, okay, if, if Jeff is dealing with, you know, um, a, a thing that's going on at home, he's having family issues, right? He's dealing, he's a person that deal with a lot of abuse or history, has a history of it, right? That all comes with the survey. That all comes with questionnaires. That all comes with asking the questions of, hey, like, tell me a little bit about yourself in the onboarding process, you know, and even as employees. I mean, let's go that far, right? Like, what stresses you out? You know, daily stress or is it work stress or is it something that's going on? How do you deal with that? You know, and then from there, being able to have those processes in place. And then ultimately, if you have a person who is literally, I guess, you know, let's just go ahead and say it. If they're having suicidal thoughts, that's the ultimate, like, like bringing the army. But you need an army behind you. You need therapists. You need a you need a person that they trust that they can talk to right away. And you also need the support system of the, you know, of the, of the administration. You also need the support of, of the community. If you have a person, you know, in the community that, that, that they know and can, and can come in and help them and be able to put those in, you know, into play and not wait. I think that's the last part, Josh. I think not wait till it gets so dark and so serious to where you literally have a kid who's, I mean, every 11 minutes, somebody commits suicide. Just watch your watch. Every 11 minutes, somebody's committing suicide. So sort of want to tie some of your story together, right? So abused as a kid uh, over a couple of multitude of years, let's say, um, you know, we, we, we sort of channel that into strength and working out, getting big football. We go off to college. Um, we play football. Then how do we get from that point? to being so derailed by um, anxiety and depression. As you mentioned earlier, I hope people didn't gloss over it. I don't know how many people are aware of your story that you, you wanted to take your life. So how do we get from, we, are, we have some rage, right? We have some anger. We, we don't want to return home. We are playing football. And then we get to the point that we are at, at, at the lowest possible point in humanity. Yeah, Josh, it, it, it goes back to, it went back to my childhood of the, tra the, the trauma that I experienced early on with my mom that I mentioned earlier. It also was all that built up and not being able to handle that and not knowing how to deal with that. Like I, I say it all the time and I said it again, you know, in the, in one of the posts that I posted, it felt like my body was literally decaying within itself. I felt like I was just walking around and I had this, you know, facade painted picture, like, Hey, I'm the, you know, good football player. I got a girlfriend at the time, you know, I'm a high on life, you know, I'm the, you know, guy that everybody wants to be around. And meanwhile, like deep down inside behind closed doors, like, I'm like, why am I even here? Like, what's the point of being here? Because those wounds that were opened at a young age, they never got healed. They never got healed. I was never able to talk to somebody. I never had the confidence to be able to say, hey, man, I'm messed up. Like, I'm dealing with this. Like, I had a suicidal thought. Like, I don't know how to deal with this. Nobody ever taught me that. 
You know, I never, I never seen any example of that, you know, and, and then, you know, everybody, everybody thought at the time, you know, when I broke up with my girlfriend and in, in how, how, I'm sorry, how old are you at this time? So at that time, my junior year, uh, I would have been around like 23. Yeah. 23, 24. Um, I was on like the six year college plan. Cause I was that guy, like just couldn't get done and didn't want to leave college. You know, I love college, but yeah, I, I had everything, everything going for me, but deep down inside, I was like, literally decaying and i didn't know how to deal with it and when i broke up anybody with, you could talk to anyone you did had, talk to i had my i had my friends i had my best friend i had my best friend ali that i played football with i had my you know my boy cam that i played football with i had my boy erie that you know he was part of our circle i had my boy Devin that you know was part of my circle those guys were trying to help me you know as I was kind of spiraling, but I didn't want, I didn't want to listen to it. Cause I'm like, dude, a, I'm at the lowest point of my life. Like, again, what is the point of me being here? Like, you can't convince me that I need to be here. Like I would literally argue it out and duke it out with my boy Ali to where he's like, dude, like you got to get your life together. You got to get help. And I'm like, well, what is that going to do? Well, I, I shouldn't even be here anyway. So what's the point of it, bro? He's like, bro, we need you around. And and at the time I was so gone already that like, I just didn't want to hear it. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even listen to it. I couldn't even, I couldn't even fathom what he was saying. Cause I was just so far gone, you know? And then I end up breaking up with my girlfriend. That was a, you know, really rough time. Had to go through that probably. And everybody thought that I was like, you know, acting out and, and doing the things that I'm doing because of all the, you know, all that. But it was like, bro, I never knew how to handle my emotions. I never knew how to deal with things. I always ran from them first and foremost, because it was just so it was, it hurt so much. I was, I was so hurt in college and I thought I was living the life that I needed to live, but I found out that it wasn't until the point where, you know, I'm running every day. Fitness was still like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to run. I'm going to outrun this anxiety. I started running literally every day. Like I felt like David Goggins literally just going down, down and up the street, up and down the street, like miles and miles and miles and miles until one night. And, you know, it was uh, 2008 when uh, that was when Barack Obama got elected. And uh, I'll never forget it. You know, I'm running down the main street and I'm just, you know, trying to trying to run. And then all of a sudden my anxiety kicks in like never before. And I'm like literally freaking out. I thought I was having a heart attack and it, I knew it wasn't an anxiety attack. I just knew my anxiety was through the roof. And I'm like, man, like, can I run further? Can I run harder? And I'm like, no, I can't go right now. Like, I can't I can't do this anymore. And I just looked up and I'm like, God, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. Like I'm done. I'm, I'm over this. Like, I can't believe I let myself get to that point. But isn't that like the, that's sort of the point of all this, right? Like that. This whole, this whole conversation kind of leading up to that, using the analogy of, you know, bringing people to the door through the door is that you don't know, right. That to not, let it get to that point, but people can't always see it from the, you know, all your friends are surprised. People can't see it. 
if they if you can't share it or they're not aware to look for it right that that this can possibly happen that someone would actually think about yeah i don't literally want to kill like i do not want to be here anymore mm -hmm. yeah 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 no no 100 you know it was arguably the lowest point of my life and you know obviously i know that i hurt a lot of people but i also know that you, you were know, hurt yeah i was wounded deeply wounded and you know honest obviously now looking back i don't wish that upon anybody i wish it would have been different but i know that now you know coming back from that it's that's why it's the purpose that's why it's like I have to save lives. I have to, I, I haven't been given a burden. It's I've been given a gift from God to be able to have a second chance to be here. I don't take that for granted any day, anytime. It doesn't matter about the logo on my chest. It's about the heart underneath that. That's how I've always approached it ever since that moment has happened in my life. It took me a while to understand that and be mature and grow through it and, and learn through it. And, conquer my demons and really you know sew up those scars and wounds that were just deeply wounded and like it's like uh gladiator when when he gets his arm cut right like i felt like my chest was wide open and was literally having to fill it in and it just you know i i, I did surgery surgery for me was therapy surgery surgery for me was being able to talk out in the open and hear a therapist say you ran from your issues right? You didn't handle them and they, they conquered you. Here's how you conquer them one day at a time. Here's how you conquer the fact that you get over the fact that somebody in your family abused you and hurt you. You embrace it. You forgive them. You forgive yourself for having the burden of wearing that burden for so long. Don't beat yourself up over it. You did nothing wrong. Nobody should ever have to go through what you went through those that's the surgery that 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 happened you know after after i had that instance you know and, and I, I thank those people so much because you know that's that's a part of my dna it's part of my character it's a part of my purpose and and you know helping other people so what happens so what happens next right that's not the end of the story no no so that was your door right that was your door yeah that was the door i walked through it um you know, afterwards I went, uh, you know, I was in a hospital. They, uh, they took me to the, the, you know, a mental facility where I was able to get treatment and help, you know, and thank God the, you know, the people at Lock Haven, the administration there was very warming. And, you know, obviously those people that I, that I knew um, had my back and basically I got, you know, medical, I guess like DQ'd from that semester to where they wiped the slate clean. So that way, you know, if I, if I eventually came back to Lock Haven, I'd be able to finish that off, you know, full term and be able to graduate. So I went, um, I went in that institution for about a month before I was able to come back out, you know, to, um, I went back home. I went back home to Reading, Reading PA where I, where I grew up and was able to, you know, continue to get therapy when I was home was doing that, you know, had a highlight, you know, in my life when my niece was born. So, you know, good things were starting to happen on the horizon. I was seeing, I saw new life for me. It was like, okay, I see new life after kind of death, right? Like I, I had almost cheated death. 
you know, but also I saw that and that, it, that was positive for me. I could be around that. My brother, my brother, Andy was real instrumental on helping me see like, dude, like you, you just had a niece. I want you to be around her. It's going to help your therapy. It's going to help you get better by seeing her. Right. Like, and it did, it, it really put things into perspective. Like had I would have gone, I would have never been able to see her grow up and never been able to met her, you know, meet her and hold her and all these different things. So that was my journey on getting back to Lock Haven and, you know, working through that and being able to, you know, go to therapy regularly. Uh, and still, even when I got back to Lock Haven, seeing a therapist and, and just working through it. And it was tough. I'm not going to lie. When I got back to Lock Haven, it was very, very hard acclimating back to society, I guess, if you want to call it. I, was gonna, I would imagine that or the question I had not having been through something like this is there had to be some I would imagine was, you know, so you're you're put into an institution, then you're sent home. Now you have a therapist. Are you embracing of that? Is it fearful? Are you scared? I mean, there's still some educational uh, occurrence that needs to right? What how do we how do we interact with him? Can we talk to him? Do we not talk to him? Like, what do we do? Like, I mean, there's and you're trying to still figure out yourself. Yeah, it was it was a whirlwind felt like I was in a, a washing machine just of emotions, just constantly trying to figure out. But I think the way that I combated that and worked through it was I remembered my, I called it like my training. I remember my therapy. I remember the first thing my therapist said is just embrace the fact that you're here. Embrace the fact of what happened. Embrace it, right? Just acknowledge it. You know, and then from there, when you start to get stressed out and you start to feel that anxiety creeping up, don't run away from it, right? Don't run, okay? Live in it. But also when you're living in it, talk through it. Be able to move your emotions while you're, while you're working through it, you know? And then from there, if it's still there, okay, keep working, keep communicating. Communication for me became a, at a premium to be able to talk with my friends, you know, one-on-one -on -one and saying, hey, man, I messed up. I'm just letting you know, like, I'm not, I'm not suicidal or anything. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a little bit anxious right now. Like this situation is a little bit too much for me. I need to back out. Are you guys cool with that? Like for them, man, I give them so much credit because they were so gracious in certain spaces and places to be able to understand that, you know, certain, I guess, like situations, like, you know, being out you know, and hanging out like with certain people, I couldn't do it. I had to like back up a second because it was giving me so much anxiety. I was like, man, everybody's going to judge me. I'm going to walk in. Oh, there he is. The guy that committed to it. Like, oh yeah. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Like, meanwhile, it was just, you know, my own fears and my own, you know, kind of demons on the outside, just like kind of playing tricks on me to try to get me to go back, you know, and spiral back. But thank God for my friends that, that were really gracious you know, in those moments, because, you know, they really, really helped a lot with the further along process. And they held me accountable. You know, that's the other thing. They said, all right, if you're going to come back here, like, we're going to hold you accountable. You know, we're really, really going to be there for you, but you got to be there for yourself, too. You got to be honest with us. You got to be truthful. You know, we want you to be here. We want to be around you. You know, let us know if, if you're really messed up. Don't, don't hold that thing in, man. Get it out. You know, you're fortunate. Blessed. Blessed beyond measure.
blessed beyond measure to have strong, 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 convicted friends, you know, having their conviction to be able to sit down and, and be able to say, okay, this guy went through this. We also went through it too. That was a huge, 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 huge breakthrough for me was to hear them say, this is what we went through while you were going through this. And that was so humbling. Oh my God. It was so humbling. Like, I can't tell you how many times I cried every time they would tell me, Hey man, like, this is what you kind of put me through. This is what I had to deal with, but I had to hear that. That was part of the healing process. That probably that was, helps you. That probably helps you stay on the straight and narrow. I would assume. One, Yeah, absolutely. I had to hear that. I ain't doing that again. No, I'm not going down that road. You know, the truth for the me, truth, for that, for me, for them. Yeah. The truth cut through, cut through me like, like sharp glass. It cut me through like sharp glass, but I had had the, I guess the armor now to be able to handle that, you know, and to be able to say, okay, man, I, you know, I really truly am sorry that you had to go through that. Thank you for sticking with me, you know, and thank you for sharing that with me because I need to hear that. It's part of my growth. It's part of my healing. So how much, how important to is professional therapy? I mean, so like you're a strength and conditioning coordinator, you are there to get athletes to perform doctors, orthopedists fix broken bones, right? So like, how important is it, was it to have a professional therapist that could help you navigate just like coaches coach football, strength and conditioning, you know what I mean? Like, whatever yeah. the walk of life is, how important was it to have that person in your life? Super important. It's pivotal. Uh, it's the most important aspect of my life. And having therapy and having a therapist to where I can be able to move my emotions, kind of, I call it recentering myself or hitting a reset button and giving me a new perspective and just having somebody else in a space and place that doesn't, isn't in the same space that I am to have a different opinion on it, a professional opinion on it. And just to be able to be a professional listener, that's the perspective that I flipped because before I had that stigma behind therapy because I, you know, I didn't mention it before, like as kids, we were going through therapy when my mom passed, right? Like they put us in therapy. We hated our therapists. We hated our psychiatrists because they're like, oh, it's going to be okay. And kumbaya. And that was what we knew. Right. So like you ultimately have that stigma behind the therapy early on in an age and where you're like, no, that's not what I want to do. That's what I literally had when I first went to the, went to the hospital. I was like, man, I'm not going to therapy. And they're like, well, you have to go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you do realize what you just, you no, you're not getting out of this one now, right? Like you got to go. Okay. So the first, you know, couple steps of listening to the therapist was like, all right, man, here we go. Another Kumbaya session. And then my therapist hits me with like, you got to get your, you got to get your stuff together, man. I'm like, damn, you're a therapist. Like, are you allowed to say that to me? And he's like, yeah, I'm the first person that's going to tell you that because you have to learn to acknowledge certain things based upon the history of your, of you, right? You got to be able to acknowledge it, you know? So now fast forwarding, I think everybody should have a therapist. I don't care if you're successful or you're in a position to where you're in athletics or you're in business. Like everybody has a coach. Every coach should have a coach. Michael Jordan has a coach right? Tony Robbins has a coach, right? The best of the best have 
certain people that they can go to and confide in professionally and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. I'm just here for advice. I'm here for your professional opinion. I know that you're going to give me the best possible answer to help me be the best version of myself. You're in a sense, you're a professional listener with a, you know, somewhat of a medical background to be able to handle certain things like that's who wouldn't want that, (laughs) right? Like who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want a person that can be able to handle your problems along with you? Of course. When you met your wife, (laughs) she said she was your big, you know, she's your biggest advocate. She's there at your darkest times, but you know, let's rewind it to the very big, right. That was a great pivot. That was a great pivot. I love it. You like that? Um, but when you meet, you meet her and you kind of know, she's like, when does this, this has to come out at some point, she has to know what, when, when, when did you feel comfortable? How did she make you feel comfortable? You know, she's, this is part of being with Jeff is being with the, yeah, we all have our past, but this past is a little bit, you know, more significant for lack of a better term. How did, how did you introduce that to her? She knew very, very early on some of my demons and some of my, you know, dark spots, because we have at, we have similar friends, you know, that we grew up with. And, you know, obviously you hear she from your hometown. So, so I grew up in Reading, Reading PA. She grew up in Boyertown, which is basically a, a town like up the street kind of thing. Uh, it's probably about 30 minutes away, 35, 35. Yeah. 40 minutes away. Um, so I, I kind of had an idea that she, she had known some certain things because the person that is one of her best friends went to Lock Haven and she had known who I am. You know, I don't know into detail, obviously, what she told her, but I can only imagine that she knew certain things, you know, about me. But I think early on, I would say when I got to when I got to Morgan State, when I was in Baltimore, Maryland, I mean, that was really where we kind of got really serious, you know, and then I was able to kind of tell her a lot more and get be comfortable, you know, cause I never want to just say, Hey man, I, I, <laughs> I did this right off the bat. I didn't have that much confidence right away, but probably, it, I'm a, probably a smart play. I'm just going to yeah, say probably yeah. a smart play. Right. Like I didn't want to just go out and just say, well, oh, yeah, this I we're backed up at our own 10. We're going to hit him for 90 yards over the top. Yeah. Yeah, so I, we're gonna I hand, we're gonna hand we're gonna hand this one off. <laughs> no, I kind of I kind of eased into it, but I think what helped me was, you know, and my my wife. I don't know how she'll take this, but I know that her history aligned with a lot of my history. Not no, you know, not you know, certain things didn't didn't add up, um, but I related to her a lot because she had gone through a lot of stuff you know, in her childhood and dealt with some issues with herself and, you know, her family and, and things like that. So that kind of like, and I told her, it kind of made me feel at ease. It's like, okay, I can relate to you. Like we can help each other. So I was grateful for that, you know, and once we started talking through it and working through it, I just, I was like, man, like she's, she's a lot stronger than I am. Like, oh my God, like for her to be able to go through that and get through that, like, she was more teaching me than anything, you know, uh, you know, along the way. And I finally just said, you know what, you know, if I'm going to commit to this person and, you know, to be, to, to eventually be my wife, cause you know, I kind of had had those thoughts. I'm like, wow, like she could be the one, like, yeah, maybe she is the one. Um, 
you know, I think it was just her giving me that comfortability, like, okay, hey, it's okay if you went through this. Cause I had asked her before, like, or do you like, do you have my back? Like I, I kind of like I wasn't confident, but I was confident. And I we would always get into these arguments like, well, no, I'm I got your back. I'm here. I'm not gonna leave. Like if I would if I was gonna leave, I would have left already, right? You know, and we just kept working through that, working through that. And finally I told her, you know, hey, I dealt with a lot of depression, anxiety, had this instance, you know, in college where, you know, trying to take my own life and and she was blown away. But the way that she handled it was extremely graceful and just said, I'm so glad that you're here. Like, I, I can't believe you went through that. Like, I love you. Like, you know, I don't wish that upon anybody. You know, and now that I know that, you know, now I understand why you act certain ways. And when you get, you know, depressed and, and, and certain things, like now it all started to add up. So it was no longer kind of the guessing game, you know, as to what my, why my emotions, you know, were kind of still, still on, you know, unbalanced a little bit. She's uh, got to be your biggest, I would imagine she's your, your biggest support system. She's the reason why, you know, part of the reason why I started highest level, you know, my, the, the company that, you know, we started in, in, in 2020 officially in 2021, but had the idea in 2020 to be able to push it through because we got to a place where, you know, we had all these great ideas and it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do to help impact the world? Not just the people that we know in our circle, but to be able to impact the world. Right. That's how I look at it. So she was very, very instrumental in saying, if that's a dream of yours, go for it. Like she's literally, when we, when we moved from Baltimore, Maryland to Las Vegas out to UNLV, keep in mind, I wasn't married to her at the time. We were still dating, you know, and I asked her, I said, are you willing to move out with me to UNLV without hesitation? I'll go anywhere where you go. No hesitation. I asked her three times, are you sure? She said, yeah, I'm sure. I asked her again, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I asked her a third time, are you sure? Yeah, stop asking me, I'm going. <laughs> right? Like, she was able to, like, literally, like, she sold her house. She sold her house that she had in, um, in uh, I think it was Douglasville. Yeah, I, was, I think it was Douglasville or one of the one of the towns that she was living in. And um, she she up she uprooted. I said, OK, if this woman is literally willing to come out across the country with me and support me because she understood the vision, the dream, the aspirations for me to eventually be, you know, a head strength coach and the best strength coach in the country, because I still have that goal. I want to be the best of the best. She supported that from day one. Unwavered. You know, and you mentioned this earlier. I just want to bring it up, not as a means of trying to drag you back somewhere, but really just so people still understand what it's like to to live, um, you know, with some of the, you know, depression, whatever the emotional fragility that still might be there is. You had mentioned way, way, way at the beginning of this thing about there's still dark times and she has to be there for you and to pick you up and whatever. How often do those when you're, you know, when you're 50? 13 years removed from trying to take your life, but you're still working, you know, you still have, you know, still have these things that are inside of you in some way, shape or form, whatever, that, whatever that is, or how often it is, how often does something like that creep up into your life even now today? 
I, every once in a while, I can't put a name, you know, I can't put a number on it, name or number on it. But, um, you know, when it does happen, I communicate it early and often to her. Sometimes I miss the mark and sometimes, you know, I just, you know, let my kind of demons overcome me in that, in that moment. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to paint the picture that I am. You know, I, I miss the mark on certain, certain times where I need to communicate it early, earlier to her. But when I do that, she, it's like the, the light switch goes off in her head and she like literally transforms and morphs into somebody that's like, are you good? Do you want to talk about this right now? And I'm like, yeah, I need to talk to you about it right now. Like, I got to get this out. Or it's like, nah, babe, like, I'm good. Like, can we, can we revisit it after dinner? Once we put the kids down, you know, and get it like some time to actually really talk through it, you know, and I don't always get it right every time, but majority of the time I try to get it right. You mentioned uh, in an Instagram post, you know, we've mentioned a few times on here, this is May, uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And you mentioned, well, it's really not a month or a week. It's a day. It's an hour. Right. So that this is. This is something you live with every single moment of every single day, correct? Yes, sir. It's, yeah. And how much how much do you still get help? Not uh, not every day, but I would say every other week, you know, I'm, I'm doing some form of, uh, of, of therapy right now. I'm in the I'm in the current stage of, you know, continuing to get my therapy done. I'm also, you know, transitioning from a, a therapist that I had at Oregon and I'm I'm trans transitioning to a new therapist right now and trying to figure out, you know, a if it's a good, comfortable fit for me. My form of therapy right now is, you know, reading the Bible, talking to people, you know, listening to podcasts, sitting down with Coach Feld and, and saying, hey, man, like, you know, I need to talk to you. You know, like I, I, that's that's my form of therapy right now. Is it the best option? Probably not. But it works for me right now. And my thing has always been like, I got to be aware of my situation. First and foremost, I got to embrace it, but I can't run from it. I got to be able to move my emotions. And I know if I do that daily, that I know that I'm going to be on the right track, right? If I'm moving forward constantly and I'm not staying stagnant and I'm actually doing the work and I'm putting it into action, you know, I know I'm going to be a better person for it, you know? And then obviously when I find the, um, you know, the quote unquote, the right fit of therapists, you know, here, which I have a list of them, uh, I know that I'll be clearly on the right track, you know, to, to doing my daily purpose. You know, I, at Oregon, I was meeting, you know, with my therapist daily, you know, and then it turned into weekly, you know, because that's what I needed. Right. I'm pretty sure it would probably be like that, you know, here, because I got a lot to tell. They got to understand who I am. They got to understand like who they're working with, you know, and I have to be, be receptive to them as well. So. Last couple of things, coach, have the kids asked you, not your kid or not your birth kids, but the kids on the team have, have, have you had guys come up to you and just ask you about your, either your, your story. I don't know what you've shared or haven't shared. Obviously you share stuff publicly, but have kids on the team inquired? Absolutely. You know, when we first got here, coach Cristobal and, and, you know, coach Feld, we, we understood that mental health was a, a huge area of opportunity to where we could take advantage of 
and grow and learn and, and make an impact early and often. And that was the mission, you know, that Coach Cristobal, Coach Feld, and myself had when we got here. That was the area that we saw, you know, and, and literally within that first week, any of them would be able to tell you, I think they, they understood that we peeled back the curtain, you know, and, and told them, hey, we're here to help you. But also, guess what? This is, this is kind of like part of my story. I'm always aware of who I'm talking to, my audience of who I'm talking to. I never want to just go on and just, I call it like word vomit. Um, I never want to just vomit all over them and just say, hey, like I did this, I'd have that happen. Because again, right, spatial awareness, understanding that certain kids that might be a trigger for them, you know, which is good for us to know that right after the fact, because it affected them. But also I want to be, you know, aware of that. I don't want to, you know, make anybody uncomfortable truly in that space and unless they can handle that. But we did pull back the curtain and I did say, you know, look, I don't care about wins and losses. And they're looking at me like, what? Like, why are you here then? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I want to win. You know, I obviously don't want to lose. I want to be a champion, but like you guys need to understand, I want you to be a champion at life. Here's why. Right. I'm a person that dealt with this. I know what you're going through. If you're a person that dealt with a, a, a father that wasn't there, if you had a, your, you know, your mother passed away or you had somebody that passed away, like my brother, Tony passed away five years ago. Right. Like I've been through trauma, right. I'm here to help you. I'm taking literally, I'm taking off the whistle, right. I take off my whistle, right. And I'm no longer coach Eaton. I'm now Jeff Eaton from Reading PA to sit here and listen to your story. I'm willing to listen to what is going on. When we did that, Josh, like <laughs> I would say probably eight or nine people early on either came into my office or came into coach Feld's office, sat down and had a conversation about something about mental health about what they're dealing with. I, would, I could only imagine they were like, thank God. They probably, and they're like, oh my God, there, there's someone I can talk to. Yeah, there was one guy that said, where have you been my whole life? I've been waiting for somebody to make an he impact. Was, he was waiting for you the way you were probably waiting for somebody somewhere along the way. Yeah, yeah. It was the most moving experience, one of the most moving experiences of my coaching career, but also in my life. I would imagine in, the, in your career, what you do being around kids as much as you're driven by your purpose because your purpose is greater than just kids but you are in a you are in an arena where i would say that it's purposeful plus absolutely yeah yeah all right what would you so these are the last two things again for people who have not been through your situation right what what would you what would you want to be the ultimate thing they take from this and then for people who have maybe or are going through something you know i think you've said it's okay to not be okay what would be the what would sort of be like if you had the right let me really wrap it up you know what i'm saying like if you said hey look if you're suffering here's what you need to know if you're not suffering but you know someone who is here's what i think you should know and kind of you know tidy this thing up a little bit i'll start with people that are suffering I'm here for you. I, and, and right. Like you need to know that you don't know me, but 
I am here for you. I can be an advocate for you. I'm willing to listen to your story. If you need help, please reach out to me. Figure out how to reach out to me. You can email me. You can DM me on social media. I am available for you. I might not hit you back right away, but I will hit you up. Because if you give me that opportunity, I can navigate you in, in a way to where you can figure out the resources and also figure out the situation that you're going through. I can help you through that. I'm not a licensed therapist. I, I'm a licensed experience, right? Like I have a license for experience in my own life. I know that, okay? I'm willing to listen to that, okay? Those are for the people that are suffering. Also, for the people that are dealing with the, the person that's suffering, don't be afraid to get them help, right? Ask them if they can, if they're willing to accept the help, right? But don't leave their side. Don't leave their side. No matter how hard it is, you're going to go through it. You're going to struggle. You're going to have days where you want, you yourself want to give up because you feel like you're not getting through to them. I promise you that if you stay with them and you stick with it and you keep trying to help them, eventually those seeds will fall on fertile ground. Like use me in as, as an example, my, my soil was like concrete, some form or fashion. My best friend was able to literally plant a seed on fertile ground and it grew and something changed because he didn't give up. The people didn't give up. My best friends did not give up on me because they knew at the end of the day, if they did that, then ultimately I would not be here. Thankfully, by the grace of God, I got saved. I got saved, right? For those people that have not dealt with anxiety, depression, suicide, have not been around it, I challenge you to go online, to talk to other people that have been in those spaces, do it on a surface level to where it's not super, super uncomfortable for you right away, right? Just kind of ease yourself into it. Just learn it, right? It's like learning. It's like learning Spanish. It's like learning a new language, right? Like it takes time. It's, it takes baby steps. Take a little bit of, you know, bigger steps through, along the way. So that way you can learn to grow, but also learn to understand what these people are going through. Take the time to be able to say, okay, what would I do if this was a person that I love or care about, right? Put yourself in that person's shoes, but also think about all the good that, that can come from the fact that you're educating yourself on, right? There's so much good that comes with just knowing more information instead of just reacting. Being proactive is so much better than being reactive, Right. And I truly believe if we continue to educate and continue to tell these people that haven't experienced those things, don't think it don't think you're a burden to anybody else. You're not you know, we don't look at people that have suffered. We don't look at you as better than than us. Right. We don't, I, 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 for one, don't look at people that haven't dealt with, you know, those things before. I don't look at them as beneath me or above me. Right. They're people are people. And I think that's so important for me to say that, you know, for those people to empower them, like you have the power to, 
really truthfully impact people. You can impact yourself as well. You got to be able to put your armor on as well, because at some form or fashion, anxiety, depression, suicide, remember, it doesn't have a name, doesn't have a face, it doesn't have a race, it doesn't have a gender, it can affect the best, it can affect the worst, right? And when I mean best and the worst, it could be somebody who's hit rock bottom, somebody who's going to hit rock bottom, it can hit the most successful people. Nine times out of 10, honestly, it usually hits the most successful people, right? Like you see stories of it all the time. Uh, what's what's her name? Naomi Judd, right? Big prominent figure. Everybody thinks she has the world to her. Those are the people that usually are the ones struggling the most. It's, it's a double-edged sword, but we have to educate ourselves first. Don't be afraid to educate yourself, you know, and, and go to a seminar or listen to a podcast Find ways that you can add value through all these different technologies and use your phone, use your, you know, use the radio, use podcasts, like listen to this podcast, right? And that's not like a pitch to the podcast, but it, it kind of is. This is an important subject. Learn from it. Well, I told you at the beginning, we could only tackle one topic because this topic was way too important. So I'll, I'll end here. Jeff Eaton from Reading, PA. Thank you. Thank you, seriously, Josh. No, seriously, thank you. I really appreciate you, man. And like I said before, I'm eternally grateful. And, and just to be in this moment with you and share my experiences, you know, and you getting to know me and myself, you know, getting to know you and and all the questions as you ask me, I, I'm truly grateful for, you know, and, and this isn't going to be the last time that we speak. That's no, sure. it won't be. I'll see you around for sure. But I wanted um you know, I, I told you this before we started, as I'll finish this, you know, we kind of, you kind of asked me what we were going to talk about and I'll let the people know. And I said, well, we'll probably talk about some of this, this topic will be covered. But I also, you know, I really like people's journey and their story professionally, strength and conditioning, you know, getting to the University of Miami, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I thought to myself, that's, that's not for this, not the right time. Cause this topic here that we just talked about, we couldn't cut it short. We couldn't cut it short. I'm, and I'm, uh, you know, we've been at this almost an hour and 40 minutes. And I'm grateful to you that you gave us the time so that hopefully we can help somebody. If we help one person from this, I'm good. And I'm glad. And I hope there are people that we help that are like me that are just learning. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely, man. My pleasure. All right. Have a good night. Go to your wife. Go to your family. You have to you have to impact the, the people that you're closest with. And um, I'll make sure to say hi the next time I'm on, I'm on campus. Yes, sir. Go Canes, man. Appreciate Go you. Canes. You got it. Thanks, coach. Miami-Dade County is partnering with you to help keep our community safe from COVID-19 now and in the future. Do your part by getting your booster, staying home if you're sick, and getting tested if you think you have symptoms. We'll keep doing our part to protect our children's education and ensure testing, vaccines, and boosters are available for all so that our entire community continues to thrive. It's our best plan. For more information, visit miamidade.gov coronavirus.